Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to your favorite one-stop shop for true crime, horror news, and real-life tales of the unexplained. Monsters at Midnight, The Revenge. I'm your host, your favorite escaped madman, loose on the airwaves, terrorizing your eardrums, Matt Schaefer. And today, I am all alone in the castle. There's nobody but me flipping the knobs and running the switches. So, it's been a while. Welcome back, if uh, you're a long-time listener. Happy to be back. Um, if this is your first time, hello. Uh, happy to have you. Uh, Monsters at Midnight, The Revenge, is... Basically, a continuation of a podcast me and my friends did uh, just called Monsters at Midnight. That entire show is still available on uh, Spotify and Apple and everywhere else you find podcasts. Um, Long-time listeners probably wondering where JoLynn is. Uh, JoLynn will be back eventually. Uh, if you are unaware, in uh, 2020... Uh, I moved out of Milwaukee, so uh, JoLynn and I no longer live in the same city. Um, there's been a, I just saw her recently. Uh, still, we're still talking about getting it up and running and how to do that uh, consistently. So we've talked a lot about like maybe doing it remotely or uh, getting together every month or so and batch recording. It's just, it's uh, never really come to fruition yet because we are both uh, two different adults leading uh, different lives. But I can say with utmost certainty that someday, Jolyn, excuse me, well, there you go, it's already starting. <laughs> uh, Jolyn will be returning as my co-host, and I, I want her back, but... Um, my life has been basically in a cycle of uh, doing nothing but work, and uh, I uh, needed uh, an outlet, a creative outlet again, so I, I talked with her if it would be okay if I brought the show back in a solo capacity, at least for the time being, and uh, with the promise that she would uh, return, and she was totally okay with that, so I hope you're okay with that. Um, but if Jolyn is the only reason why you listen to that show, <laughs> I get it. Um, but she'll be back. Uh, I just can't say when. But I think that's enough uh, formalities. So bolt your doors, lock your windows, and turn out the lights. Monsters at Midnight, the motherfucking revenge, rides for the first time. Hope everyone listening had a happy Halloween. At a fun October. I have no idea when this is going to be published. Uh, I am recording this on October 30th, 2022. And I've had a good October. Uh, I've done a, a lot of fun things. I am currently on a little mini vacation. Uh, didn't do a whole lot. I did go back to Milwaukee, which is why I uh, saw JoLynn uh, for a weekend. And... I mean, it's been a good October. I've been watching a lot of good movies. And the one movie that surely has been uh, on everyone's mind this month is, of course, 
Halloween Ends. And I saw Halloween Ends. I saw it twice, actually. I saw it once in theaters and then uh, saw it again because it's streaming on Peacock. Uh, because there's a, a lot of ways that I'm sure you know can... <laughs> a lot of ways people have been feeling about that movie. And I didn't quite know how I felt about it when I first walked out of the theater, so I watched it again. And now that all the movies are out uh, in the series to this point, I think now is as good of time as any for me to do my definitive ranking of the Halloween sequels. Specifically just ranking the Halloween sequels because obviously the first Halloween is going to be my favorite in the series. It's my favorite horror movie. Uh, it's iconic. It's uh, I don't think most people would have any qualms saying that it's the best in the trilogy. But uh, I shouldn't say that. If you have any thoughts or opinions or want to voice them, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at monsters.midnight at gmail.com. Midnight spelled M-I-D-N-I-T-E. That's monsters.midnight at gmail.com. Midnight spelled incorrectly. And we still have that email if anyone uh, has any uh, suggestions or... Uh, uh, questions or anything that they want to hear discussed on the podcast, um, you always feel free to shoot us an Instagram DM or a Facebook DM as well. Um, always love to hear from you guys. But no, this is going to be my uh, definitive ranking of the Halloween series, the sequels rather. Um, I always find this very interesting because no one can seem to agree on like well that's not entirely true uh, there's a lot of things that different people agree on um, I always feel like my ranking of the sequels is kind of different from everyone else's because apart from the first movie there's not really an entry that I would say I have nostalgia for um, and I think that plays a bigger part in uh, the way that people feel about these movies than they realize, which is totally fine. But every time I hear like people uh, just going to town on this new trilogy that David Gordon Green did, that like he ruined the franchise or misunderstood the franchise, keeping it 100 with you, this is not a good franchise. And like, and any day of the week, I'd much rather watch, like, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th sequel, because those have a much more clear identity of what the franchise was supposed to be. Nightmare on Elm Street, you have the actual character of Freddy Krueger that holds it all together, because of he has a face and a voice and a personality, and... The Friday the 13th series understood what they were about from day one, which was purely about creative kills and body count. Halloween came from... The series came from the unfortunate circumstance that Halloween was a surprise hit, inspired a lot of rip-offs, and basically producers were like, well, we can't just let them go unchecked. So there's been a lot of uh, turmoil and creative differences and just different 
different, and of course, different timelines in this franchise because no one can really agree what this franchise is supposed to be. Um, so for the longest time, I actually didn't watch any of the sequels. Um, and I didn't, like, grow up watching the series. I saw the first movie when I was in high school and fell in love with it, but it was also, like, that is the perfect, like, self-contained slasher movie story. But Halloween Ends is, at, is out now, and uh, I've seen all the movies, and I've seen them all, well, most of them at least, a couple times, and most of them I've watched in recent memory. So I humbly present to you uh, my definitive ranking for the Halloween sequels. Keep in mind, this is just my opinion. There's always going to be room for debate debate over which timeline people prefer and which sequel and plot device and this, that, and the other thing. And that's great. I think it's awesome. Um, uh, that's what makes the world interesting is uh, differing uh, opinions and uh, discussion on things like this. So this is just my opinion. This is just how every uh, movie affects me personally and uh, how well they sit in the franchise for me so this is my ranking of the halloween sequels forgive me if that cut was obvious i had to go get myself some water uh i forgot <laughs> what doing this is like and uh also forgive me if i'm a little rusty it has been Fuck, two and a half, going on three years since I last did this, but we're going to press on. Um, first time doing something like this solo, too. It's a little surreal, but I kind of like it. Kind of uh, uh, interesting, just being in my apartment alone with, this, with a cat <laughs> doing this uh, podcast. So we're going to start at the bottom of the list. Um which uh, would be number 12, uh, since we're not counting the first movie. Uh, that's going to be Halloween Resurrection. I do not think it is a hot take to consider Halloween Resurrection the worst, if not one of, or, if not one of the worst, the worst uh, Halloween sequel. Um, some people can get into this movie as like it's a like one of those like so bad it's good like comedy classics good for them I, I just think this movie is fucking awful like this is not only like the worst Halloween movie for me but it's like one of the worst movies I've seen full stop uh, especially coming off of H2O which we'll see here I'm not the biggest fan of H2O but for people that are fans of H2O this is a really bullshit way to uh, follow up that story and like conclude this little uh, timeline it's just especially uh, going off of the fact that like we have learned that uh, in this timeline that Michael Myers and Laurie Strode are in fact sis uh, siblings oh I forgot to mention this will obviously con uh, contain spoilers for the entire Halloween series, uh, including Halloween Ends. So if you're at all morbidly curious about this franchise and for whatever reason haven't checked it out or you haven't seen Halloween Ends yet, proceed with caution. 
Um, but going back to uh, the fact that in this timeline, uh, Michael Myers and Laurie Strode are indeed siblings. Laurie Strode is killed off very unceremoniously at the very beginning of the movie. So now it's like, what is Michael's actual purpose? Does he have a purpose? Does he ever need a purpose? I don't think he ever needed a purpose. The fact that he was just like this evil force was more than enough uh, explanation for me. But the more sequels you make the less that is uh, feasible as an explanation, which was sort of an issue that uh, David Gordon Green and company ran into on this new trilogy. So we, we have this just terrible story about, like, like basically banking on, like, post-Blair uh, Witch hype and uh, post-Scream self-reference with a bunch of Y2K 20-something-year-olds doing this internet show where they're uh, live-streamed in the Myers house. And famously, the producers of this show, the hosts of this show, are Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks. It's almost unfair to him at this point, but Busta Rhymes is horrible in this movie. Just... Like, shockingly bad <laughs> in this movie. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting to see him in this movie. Same with, like, LL Cool J and uh, H2O. Since uh, horror has always been rather uh, popular and predominant in the hip-hop community, it makes sense that they would uh, try to get these uh, stars in these movies. But, man, it does not work in Resurrection. And a lot of that comes down to the way they wrote this character. Or, I don't know, maybe that's also just Busta Rhymes as a human being. But it just does not work in a Halloween movie. And beyond that, the, like, the gags are stupid. Like, I've never been a, a fan of, like, found footage. Um, Blair Witch is okay for what it is. I'm more appreciative of Blair Witch for, like the concept than what the movie itself is. So the idea of, uh, like, a Blair Witch-type movie in the Myers house is just kind of lame and, like, low stakes to me. And all the characters are disposable because it's... What would that... That would have been the fucking, uh, like, eighth movie by that point. It's just... I don't know. If you dig this movie or think it's funny or whatever, great. Good for you. Um, trick-or-treat motherfucker is a pretty hilarious line. Uh, but it's just, it's so stupid and full of, like, half-baked ideas or ideas that are just, like, blatantly not good ones. Uh, I have no qualms in considering Halloween Resurrection the worst in this series. At number 10... Uh, not following super far behind Resurrection is Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Um, this is an interesting movie. Uh, there's a couple things that I do like about this movie. Um, I like the cinematography for this movie a lot. This movie is directed by uh, Dominique Otenien Girard. I'm sure I didn't say that right, but he's a, 
I would assume he's a French director. Uh, I'm on Letterboxd right now. It's not telling me. I don't want to do any super loud typing. Uh, he, Not a whole lot of big releases from him. The only other thing of semi-note that he did is Omen 4, The Awakening, um, which I didn't even know existed <laughs> until fairly recently. Um, but he kind of sort of brought this... Uh, Almost Dario Argento uh, uh, also reminds me of Sam Raimi. This like frantic energy to the cinematography. It's a it's a nice looking movie, especially after Halloween Four, which I've always thought Halloween Four's cinematography made it look like a made for TV special. The cinematography in this movie has a lot of character. Uh, Daniel Harris is really good in it. Uh, especially given how young she was, and she doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue. It's a very expressive performance. And it's always nice seeing uh, Donald Pleasance in these movies, even if he has absolutely nothing to work with. Like, he sells the minimal material that he has, and especially given how old he was, uh, he's, he's pretty tired, like you can tell. Uh, but he also, he sells it, uh, given the lacking source material and that's the issue is this movie is pretty uh just inconsistent and over all over the place like um some of the characters really click but most of them are really like forgettable and boring and stupid and just another body for the pile um michael can be like uh really kind of menacing in certain sequences the sequence with daniel harris and like the laundry shoot is really harrowing um but then other times he's just like kind of like dopey looking and slow and stupid and it's just it's it's a it's a it's a weird movie um this is an issue that a lot of people uh have myself included with halloween kills is it really feels like the middle entry of this uh, Cult of Thorn trilogy. Because it is trying to build up a lot of new ideas. It's trying to also... It's also trying to go the safe route after the cliffhanger of Halloween 4. And uh, try and rectify that ending. But it's just like nothing really interesting or important happens in that movie it establishes this idea of the man in black and who is that going to be and then it ends really suddenly with the man in black like breaking michael myers out of prison it's it's just a weird dumb not super interesting movie uh it's really tonally confused and uh it's not uh there's not really any payoff to it uh there's fans of this movie. Uh, there's fans of the whole, like, uh, Thorn Cult trilogy in general. Which, again, great. If it's your thing, that's fine. Um, Halloween 5 is just never one that I am in a hurry to revisit. Oh, now we're getting to hot take territory, though. <laughs> uh, co uh, coming up here at, I guess this would be, yeah, number 9 in my ranking is going to be Halloween H2O 20 years later. Um, this is, yeah, this is going to upset uh, a lot of people. H2O is a perfectly fine 
slasher movie. It is so fine. Like, so unremarkable to me. I didn't... I hear a lot of, like... When I hear a lot of people, like, sing the praises of this movie, say, like, they grew up watching it, it was the first Halloween they saw in the theaters, this and the other thing, and that's why I feel like nostalgia plays a big factor in these lists more often than people admit, which is, again, totally fine. But, like, H2O just is not that interesting of a movie to me. There's a lot of great moments to it. Um, it's a it's a very lean slasher, like it moves at a good pace because uh, it's it's like really short. Um, it's uh, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is really doing great work in this movie, of course. Um, but re I rewatched it earlier in the week, and this movie shouts to executive producer Kevin Williamson on it. Just like really wishes it was a scream movie it doesn't feel like a halloween movie it feels like it's like a lost scream movie which isn't a bad thing in its own right but then it's also missing all the things that makes scream such a successful franchise um like again like i don't really care about any of the characters outside of laurie strode um it just, and I guess it comes down to taste with this one a lot too. I just feel like uh, Halloween 2018 does a lot of the ideas in this movie better. Um, nothing really seems at that great of stake. Uh, nothing really seems uh, super like uh, intense or uh, like desperate. Um, Everything seems really, like, contrived to, like, be in this, like, one final quote-unquote confrontation between Laurie Schrode and Michael Myers. Uh, especially, like, towards the end when she could have just, like, left the, the boarding school with her son, but she doesn't because, like, we need to have that final confrontation. And it's also... I don't know, something about the setting has never really been, like, that interesting or scary to me. It just seems like that you're on this massive campus. There's, like, 8,000 other places that you could go or hide or escape from. Uh, it, it's and The ideas of, like, trauma and stuff that they uh, play with in this movie, for me personally, don't hit as well because Lori's life seems pretty well put together. Which I know is kind of the point of trauma, is like people do move on but still carry this baggage. But it's just not really analyzed in any sort of meaningful way. Now granted, the David Gordon Green trilogy overcorrects and goes way into like trauma dumping and shit like that. Which isn't, all, isn't necessarily better. It's just it's something for a film, a visual medium that I find more interesting. Like, it never really seems like... It, like, it seems like if... Um, Michael did not show up in this movie, Lori would eventually be fine and be able to live her life. Um, so that's why, like, when he finally does show up, it's kind of like, okay, I guess we will do this. We'll do the final confrontation, which is cool. Uh, the final shot of this movie is fucking metal. Uh, one of the best, like, definitive conclusions, <laughs> sort of, that it should have been. 
um, in this series, but I don't know. How, uh, H2O, in my opinion, is just kind of toothless. Not super interesting. With some good moments. It's fun. It's very short. It is engaging. Um, but, yeah. Never been a huge, huge fan of it. Um, so we move on to number eight, then. And that's going to be Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Um, depending on my mood, I might like H2O more than this movie. I could flip-flop these two. Um, Halloween 4 is decent. It's pretty good. Um, when I rewatched it, I guess I re this would have been like a year or two ago that I rewatched it. Um, I, re I enjoyed it a lot more than when I first saw it, um, which I was pleasantly surprised with. The first act is really, really good. Um, I love the opening credits. Um, the opening credits are really spooky. Uh, with that sort of, like, ambient tone. Uh, and the the shots of the farmland with the orange text that's almost, like, glowing. It just really sets the mood right. The first act is great. Um, it has a lot of, like, 80s uh, cheese in it with the uh, uh, Michael escaping from the ambulance. And uh, when uh, Dr. Loomis confronts him at the gas station. Um, uh, and all the characters really work for me in this, too. I like all the characters. Uh, Donald Pleasance really kills it in this movie. Um, it's not, uh, Especially uh, coming back after so long, he really gives it his all. He has like a real intensity and desperation in this part. And uh, I like Daniel Harris in it. I, I can see why people really like uh, Daniel Harris in these movies. Um, it's just like her character has never been super interesting to me. Um, the whole like uh, psychic connection stuff. It's just like always kind of has with her and Michael has always just kind of had me rolling my eyes. Um, that being said, there's a lot that I do like about this movie. The whole mob mentality thing with, like, the redneck lynch mob uh, works really well in this. It really makes it feel like a classic horror film, like, from a Universal or Hammer horror film. Um, I could go on about the things that I do really like about this movie, but it every time I watch it, it, like, drops to such a crawl in the middle of the movie where, like, all the good pacing, all the good moments... And then, like, nothing happens. Or at least it feels like really nothing, like, fun or interesting or scary is happening. It's just, like, a lot of, like, running around and hiding. And, uh, like, and sort of like I said um, when I was talking about Halloween 5, uh, the cinematography in this movie isn't that interesting to me. It always looks like, like a made-for-TV sequel to... Halloween so like they try to shoot it with like the same sort of like blue and purple tones that Dean Cundy was famous for using in the first two movies um but like I don't know all this images are like super static and like not like and like just like really like struggle with framing Michael in a way that makes him like really scary and a lot of that does come to, down with to do with the the mask uh, the mask in Halloween 4 is probably the worst one in the entire series. Like, I... It's, like... It, it's always stunningly bad every time he puts it on. It's like, oh, God, that's right. The mask really is terrible. Um, like, 
I this movie just really loses my attention halfway through. Um, it really feels padded. Um, it's it's again very short, but like getting to those like uh like just under ninety minutes, it really loses steam at about like the two third mark. And then the conclusion, but the, then the like the conclusion is really good too with the idea of Danielle Harris's uh character. Um, Jamie Lloyd, uh, adopting the same evil that, uh, plagued Michael when he was around her age. Uh, it's a really chilling ending. Uh, again, a lot that I really do enjoy about Halloween 4, but ultimately is just kind of bland. Um, as an 80s slasher, it's really not that bad, but you can do better in the series, and you can, uh, you can do better with, like, other slashers that were coming out at the time, too. Um, they're always, they're, they're paced better. There's more character. This and the other thing. Uh, yeah, again, Halloween 4 is a hit with some fans. I like it. It just, it never really does all that, uh, much for me. So moving on to, I guess this would be, what would this be? I'm losing track of my numbers. Uh, so, okay, so 11, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7. <laughs> okay, sorry, that was embarrassing. Number 7, Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills uh, does not hold up <laughs> on rewatches. Um, I came out of the theater loving Halloween Kills. I thought it was... Uh, I thought it was just, like, super tight, uh, super, um, well, hold up, no, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, this is 8, not 7, 8, excuse me, um, this is all screwed up because I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at sort of notes that I wrote, uh, which do not include Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, and I'm also looking at my ranking on Letterboxd, uh, so, I, I apologize, I'll, probably just stop uh, numbering them at a certain point here because it's just it's too much for my dumb brain to handle uh but yeah halloween kills does not hold up uh super well at least uh halloween kills i came out of the theater really liking because it was just like such a such a powerhouse of just like a gnarly slasher movie sequel and i still do appreciate it for that in that regard it is a balls to the wall hard r slasher movie sequel um, with just brutal kills. Michael Myers is fucking threatening as shit in this one. Um, that's about the only reason I like this movie now. Because even the things that I liked when I saw it in the theaters kind of have me rolling my eyes now at this point. The legacy cast, the mob mentality, there's... there's and especially after seeing Halloween ends, this movie just feels all the more vapid and directionless and storyless. Because given how Halloween ends concludes this trilogy, there's just like no indication of anything ever happening based on Halloween Kills. Um, yeah, Halloween Kills is is hard to get through. Um, I do like it, but it, it is, it's, there are some scenes that's just like, oi, uh, 
there's entirely too much speeching and posturing about grief and Michael and the town. And it's just like, this movie is even more in love with the first film than Halloween 2018 is. And Halloween 2018 is in love with the first movie. This movie just, it, it's all going for applause moments. It wants you to be like, oh my god, it's Sheriff Brackett. Oh my god, it's uh, uh, fucking uh, Kyle Richards' character. I can't remember. Uh, Lindsay, it's Lindsay Wallace. Oh, the nurse is back. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall is Tommy Doyle. That's cool. But they don't have anything like fun or interesting to do. They're all just like sob storying about the first movie and then like just hype speeches for the trailers about <laughs> evil dying tonight <laughs> which i didn't realize seeing it in the theaters but rewatching, i was like they say that so much like i saw some reviews like giving it shit for how many times they saw say it in that movie i'm like i didn't think it was that bad it's fucking bad. They say it so much. Evil dies tonight. Evil did not die <laughs> that night. Um, I don't know. This this movie is a lot of fun. Um, but it just it, it goes absolutely nowhere. It dances in circles and then ultimately concludes with the way you kind of expect it to conclude, like, you can't kill the boogeyman, the more Michael kills, the more he transcends, which is stupid, but again, is the corner you paint yourself into when you continue making sequels about this guy. You need to fucking figure out why he can do this stuff. Um, and no explanation is ever going to be as satisfying as other than he's just evil. Um, but, and, and, this movie, Halloween 2018 as well, but this movie even more so, is just, like, really tonally inconsistent. Um, especially given how, like, serious it takes itself, and it wants to be this, like, balls-to-the-wall, hard-R slasher movie sequel. But then we've got, like, goofy sitcom shit with the gay couple that lives in the Myers house. Uh, we've got... It's just, like... Just... It, the humor in... Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills never really gels up. It really feels like almost like what Deborah Hill and John Carpenter did with the original. It really feels like David Gordon Green was like, I'll do all the serious shit, and Danny McBride was, and I'll make them laugh. Because it really feels like a completely different writer takes over every time something like that happens, especially in Halloween Kills. Um... I don't know, there's really just not... It's such a nothing movie, which sometimes is fine. Like, I love the brain candy, I love the stimulus of, like, Michael Myers just, just slaughtering half the population of Haddonfield. And that's the other thing, too, is they bring back all these legacy characters and then kill most of them, and it's like... I, I just... I don't really know what the thought process was behind this movie. Um... I don't hate this movie. A lot of people really hate this movie. I will concede that this movie is very stupid and does not hold up to subsequent rewatches. But it's it's pretty cool sometimes when it's just a gnarly, messy, like, 
Michael Myers-themed exploitation movie, but there you go. That's Halloween Kills, the uh, the bastard child of this new trilogy, this uh, unfortunate, like, middle entry. Which, like, when, and that's the other thing, is when you watch Halloween Kills, you're like, okay, so this is truly the bridge movie to get to Halloween Ends, but with Halloween Ends being the way that it is, I don't know what this movie is a bridge to, but it was, it's just like, it fails on rewatch and just like, not even necessarily through its own fault. It's just like, does not hold up well in this trilogy. This whole trilogy is a fucking like ill-conceived bad idea though, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Those are my thoughts on Halloween kills, which will lead us to, and I'm going to just give up on the numbering here. We're going to go with uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. 2007 Halloween remake. Yes, the infamous, or I don't know, famous depending on how you look at it, uh, Halloween remake by Mr. Robert Cummings. First episode back of Monsters at Midnight. We're fucking get, still talk about Rob Zombie. <laughs> um, uh, this is another one. Well, I mean, it's actually funny now that this new trilogy came out. The Rob Zombie movies have sort of been getting like reappraised, which I think is cool. I've always... That's not true. I, well, I'll say that I've always really enjoyed this movie. Um, this movie has a lot of problems, but I do really like it, and I appreciate what uh, Zombie was going for with it. Um, like, he really... He did a good job. If you're going to remake something, my whole standpoint is, like, I'm not necessarily one of those old heads that are like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um... I'm more of the standpoint, like, if it ain't broke, you need to make it your own or do something new. And that's where a lot of these remakes fail is because they just try, they just do the same movie again with varying degrees of success. That isn't necessarily the case with uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. The first half of this movie is entirely a prequel to, like, John Carpenter's Halloween. Your mileage will vary on how successful you think this prequel is. I, I kind of love the first half of this movie, but it is, like, as generic and cliched as it comes. The whole sort of idea of the Rob Zombie movies is what if Michael Myers was just a tormented person who then became this, like, infamous serial killer. There's still plenty that happens to him that begs the question, okay, if he's just a guy, how can he survive all this shit? But that's beside the point. So, where did Michael Myers grow up? What was his upbringing? What led him to become this monolith of death and destruction? Well, he was raised in a broken household with a shitty, drunken, abusive stepfather and a sister that hates him, and he's bullied relentlessly by Junie from Spy Kids <laughs> at school. Um, it's not an interesting idea, because, like, broken household, bad childhood, like yeah, okay, we've seen that before. And also, it's just like, that's not, every person in that situation doesn't, like, become a 
uh, serial killer. It's very narrow-minded. However, as is the case with most of Rob Zombie's movies, it's how he, like, how, this, like, over-the-top grindhouse universe that he creates where you you just kind of accept it and go along for this really demented and tortured ride. Um, so I really dig the first half of this movie when it's about young Michael, when it's about his first rampage on Halloween. And I really like the stuff with him in the sanitarium where he slowly devolves more and more into this monster that he's eventually going to become. And uh, I don't think many people would disagree, but the best part of the Rob Zombie Halloween movies is uh, Malcolm McDowell as Dr. Loomis. He is fucking fantastic as Dr. Loomis. Actually, most people in these movies in, are really fucking good and really acting their asses off. Um, there's a, there's a, like a four hour long making of documentary about this movie that I think was released on like some special edition Blu-ray, but you can find the whole thing on YouTube. And it's, Rob Zombie is a good director. He's a questionable writer, but he's a really good director. He knows exactly what he wants to get out of his actors. He knows exactly how his movies should look and sound and feel. And it's really cool watching him come up with this, this heightened grindhouse exploitation world that breeds Michael Myers. Now, the when this movie starts to fall apart is actually when it becomes a one-to-one -one remake of the original. It's paced all weirdly because now we need to do like the first movie in 45 minutes versus like feature length. Um, it starts to reuse a lot of the same scenes and lines and scares from the original. And it's just not quite as effective because you've seen it before and you've seen it done much better in the original. Um, but it is still a relentless and exciting remake. I really enjoy Rob Zombie's Halloween. I like it the first half much more than the second half, but as far as horror movie remakes can do, you can, uh, can go, you can do a lot worse. I will always stand by the fact that Rob Zombie is a great director. He really swung for the fences and tried something new, uh, sort of with this movie. We'll get more to him trying something new in a bit. And um, I think this movie's got a lot of character. If anything else, you can say Rob Zombie's movies have a lot of character to them. So, creeping closer to the top, uh, we have the original Halloween 2, the 1981 Halloween 2. This is probably another hot take, uh, having it so low in this uh, um, uh, list, in this ranking. I really like Halloween 2. I have, like, Halloween 2 is like what Halloween kills. It's a good slasher movie sequel. It ups the kills. It ups the gore. Um, it ups the stakes a little bit with the whole uh, Laurie Strode, Michael Myers uh, sibling twist. Um, and it, it still, like, succeeds at, like, and, like, a lot of... I don't really know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, it succeeds at being like a second part to the original Halloween movie. If you needed a second part to the original Halloween. Uh, it's cool that it takes place on the same night. 
it's uh, cool to see like a lot of like everyone back, even like uh, Dean Cundy as director of photography. So it, like it looks like it's it's the same night. Um, I really like I, I really love the score. I think uh, John Carpenter like reinvent the whole like organ kind of sound to the score. I think is really cool and really creepy. Uh, and again, it's just like it almost has this like. Uh, Italian horror movie giallo like aspect to it where some of the deaths are like so over the top and like so like dreamlike like I'll, I'll never forget when like the like there's the nurse that has the IV like empty IV hooked up to her arm and she's just like bled out onto the floor and it's just like this black room with this bright red puddle of blood it's like something you'd see out of a Dario Argento movie um why don't I like this movie as much as everyone else does? This movie... I don't know if it's because I've read too much or like heard too many interviews about what John Carpenter thought about the idea of turning this into a franchise, but every time I watch this movie, I can feel his resistance to this being a sequel the entire time. The movie just feels like really tired. It feels like it's going through the motions and it's like, and now we need to do this and now we need to do this because we're making a sequel to a movie that no one thought anyone was going to see. And I don't mind the like Laurie Strode uh, sister revelation. It's uh, never, a tw it's never a twist that I'm like, yes, hell yeah, that's canon for me. Uh, even though, like, Rob Zombie adapted it into his own remakes. Um, it's just, like, there's just certain aspects of this movie that, like, don't make sense to me, because, like, at the end of the first Halloween, you get the asp the idea that it's, like, the middle of the night, but then Halloween 2 picks up, and there's still a lot of people out and about, like, trick-or-treating and doing all this shit. And it's really just because you can see, like, oh, they have a fucking budget now. But, like, it just it always feels, like, stilted. A lot of people are like, it's a good, like, double feature. And I'm like, eh, kind of. But, like, it always just feels stilted to me. It feels, like, very convenient that they, like, added time to the clock. Um, and it's, it, And this isn't Dick Warlock's fault at all, but he's just not as good as Michael Myers. And... It, it comes down to uh, the direction. I don't think he was directed properly on how to walk. He just seems like so slow and so like ha like hapless and like really just like zombie like and um the whole finale and that that like really kind of takes a lot of the bite out of the whole finale in the hospital, which again also doesn't make sense because it's like the world's most empty hospital and it also feels like you're in this big ass building there should be eight million ways you could be able to escape especially if michael's going to be moving that fucking slow the stakes just aren't quite as high this time again there's like not that like desperation factor this movie it, every time i watch it the word that comes to mind is sleepy i love this movie well, I don't love it. I really like this movie. I think it's if you're going to do a direct follow-up to Halloween 2, this is like as good as it could could have gotten. Um but every time I watch it, I'm like, man, this movie just feels tired and slow and truthfully like it really just doesn't want to be here. Um 
And, again, maybe that's because I know too much about, like, what went on behind the scenes. But every time I watch that, I'm like, you can really tell that no one really has a whole lot of faith in this project. So, moving up, crawling up closer to the top of this list, uh, we are now going to discuss Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. I like this movie. (laughs) I've always kind of liked this movie. Of course, the big uh, discussion is always, you know, theatrical cut or producer's cut. I personally, and I know I'm in the minority on this, I personally enjoy the theatrical cut more. Uh, The theatrical cut explains significantly less uh, in this, like, just batshit ludicrous plot that they came up with, which, again, they had to, like, close out this trilogy because people are like who the fuck is the man man in black what's with this thorn symbol so they have to like really answer all the questions you would have had in halloween 5 in this movie it is an unenviable task and again a lot of like conflicting interests and shit went down behind the scenes which is why it's so apparent in the two different very different cuts of this movie that exist that being said since the story is so ludicrous and stupid and horseshit, I personally prefer the theatrical cut a little bit more because it explains yes, sure, but gives a lot more entertainment value in this just ridiculous electrified score from Alan Howarth with like screaming guitars and percussion machines and just like brutal Michael Myers kills like This is the scariest Michael has been up to this point since the first movie. I love the look of him. They got the mask pretty good in it. uh, And he is just ruthless. And the finale of the theatrical cut when he's just massacring everyone in this hospital. It's pretty fucking sick. Um, But there's a trade-off. You get significantly less Dr. Loomis and Donald Pleasance's final, final performance in the theatrical cut. So I, I definitely understand, and it's not like I don't like the producer's cut, it's just like when they get to the explanation of everything that's happening, I'm like, this is just so stupid and, like, out there and nonsensical that, you know, just give me some mid-90s, like, good slasher movie carnage um, in the theatrical cut. And that's really all, what it comes down to. I don't really have any highfalutin reasons why this is so high in my list, I like, I like the look of this movie. The production design is really good. It really captures the autumn look really well. Um, good lighting, good uh, uh, shot composition and framework. It's got that sort of like, uh, since this is, I think this might be the first Dimension film. Uh, it's got that like, that Dimension edge to it, which I can't really explain. Um, um, but uh, I like all the characters in it. Some of them are really over the top and exaggerated, but I really do like uh, the characters in it. Uh, there's a lot of great set pieces. Uh, this movie is just a lot more memorable to me than four and five are, and it's a guilty pleasure. It's a it's just a complete turn your brain off mode. I want to watch a Halloween movie, but I don't want I I just want like the goods. I want the kills. I want uh, I just want the the good shit. Um, but yeah, I, I go theatrical cut. Producer's cut is is uh, much more serious, uh, uh, 
great, a much more better use of Donald Pleasance. Um, to each their own. Uh, I go with theatrical cut. Um, because, again, if the story is going to be stupid, the whole movie might as well be stupid. <laughs> and I guess that's my reason for having it so high on the list. Guilty pleasure, fun, popcorn, Halloween-themed slasher movie uh, with that delightful 90s uh, edge to it. That's uh, uh, kind of hard to explain, but like if you've seen this movie and you've seen like any other movie that Dimension has put out, you just you kind of know what I'm talking about. So next up we have Halloween Ends. Yeah, I like Halloween Ends. I really like Halloween Ends, but I didn't necessarily when I first saw it in the theaters. Um, the greatest sin that Halloween Ends commits is it bites off much more than it can chew. It wants to explore new territory for the franchise, but it also needs to conclude this raggedy-ass, bare-bones trilogy that I don't think they actually had any groundwork for going in. Um, so when I was in the theater, actually, so I've actually seen this movie two and a half times. Um, when I was seeing it in the theaters, I was seeing it in the IMAX screen, and the picture went out twice, so you could only hear everything. And the second time it went out is when uh, the doctor and the nurse are getting murdered in the doctor's apartment. apartment. Um, and by that point, I like looked at my phone and looked in the theater. I was like, oh, there's another showing in one of the standard theaters starting right now. So I just went to the front desk, and I was like, Hey, so the screen, and they're like, yeah, we know. And I was like, can I just go to this 6.30 showing? They're like, yeah, yeah, that's totally fine. Here's a pass. Um, so I, I saw, like, the first 40 minutes of this movie twice in the same night. But the entire time I was watching it in the theater, I was kind of getting stuck in my head about it. Because I was more thinking about just, like, the ramifications for what this means for this trilogy. So I was just sitting there watching, like, oh, fuck, they're doing this? They're really doing this. I can't believe they're doing this. What the fuck are they doing? Like, people are going to hate this movie. What is? What are they doing? And I walked out of the movie theater enjoying it, but mainly confused. I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, this... Probably how, similarly to how Halloween 3 uh, hit when it first came out, which, cool uh, little fact is, uh, during the title sequences and the credits, they actually use the same uh, font and color scheme from Halloween 3. So they knew. They definitely knew that they were going for something new here. Um, There's actually kind of parallels to the original three Halloween movies, which is interesting. And they use uh, the... Uh, respective fonts in Halloween 2018 kills and ends. But I digress. Uh, so I watched it again uh, on Peacock. Because I'm like, all right, now that I know what this movie is, let's really, like, like sit down and, like, watch it and analyze it. And I really like this movie. When this movie is its own thing, I really fucking like this movie. Uh... For those of you unaware, uh, this movie's main focus is not Michael Myers. It is not Laurie Strode. It is a man named Corey Cunningham who accidentally kills a kid he's babysitting 
a couple of years before this movie takes place in like the pre-title sequence. So there's a lot of interesting things this movie does about how this town is like looking for an outlet for like evil now that Michael has disappeared. And Corey happens to find Michael and that basically awakens this sort of evil that's always been in him. So it's almost, this movie is almost like Friday the 13th Part 5, <laughs> which was what I was thinking about the most when I was watching this movie. I was like, oh, we're going, we're going Friday the 13th Part 5. All right, bet. Let's, let's fucking do it then. Um, and the stuff with Corey really, really works. He's an instantly likable character, and his story is really tragic. And it's really just, like, this story about, like, mythical monsters and the ones that man creates. And so watch him gradually transform into, like, this evil force is really... It's really sad, and it's really scary. Um... And this movie is also, for me, just kind of a... It's kind of a vibe, as the kids say. Uh, Corey strikes up a relationship with uh, Lori's granddaughter, Ad Allison. And uh, there's just, like, a lot of cool, like, driving around at night on the motorcycle. And it's got a cool, like, licensed soundtrack. It almost makes it feel a little uh, David Lynchian, a little Twin Peaksy, a little Lost Highway. Um... So this movie works, it's, it's a very, like, lonely love story with these two people who are just, like, sick to death of this fucking town. Uh, and the town is much more of a force, too, in it, uh, about, like, like resenting Lori and resenting Corey and trying to find, like, trying to create this new boogeyman or trying, like, the effects, this trilogy is more about the effects of Michael Myers on the town as a whole than it is just necessarily about Lori, which is cool. It's a cool idea. And this love story that forms is just this very lonely, uh, like, sad little love story that works in the context of this movie and in this universe and so then this movie almost feels like heathers in a little in a bit uh of a way to me so this movie works for me best when it's a combination of friday the 13th part 5 and heathers this movie does not work super well when it needs to conclude this trilogy um in a in a perfect world with an actual, like, thought process behind this trilogy, I think the Corey Cunningham stuff should have been in Halloween Kills. And then the, this third movie could have truly been just, like, a conclusion to the Laurie and Michael story. Because you can tell that the Corey stuff is the story that they're much more passionate about telling. When it gets to the actual... And, like, I'm making it sound like Michael isn't in this movie. He is in this movie, just... He's definitely not the main focus of this movie. So that's the kind of the issue when it gets to the conclusion, uh, the confrontation between Michael and Laurie, it really feels like, oh, that's right, we still have to do this now. Um, it's a cool uh, finale, and it is like probably the most conclusive uh, death we've seen to Michael Myers, but 
it's just like it doesn't really feel like it stemmed from anything because the movie is its most interesting when Laurie is slowly realizing that the same evil in Michael is in Corey, and then Michael also shows up. And it's like this movie just isn't about Laurie or Michael, and it shouldn't have tried or pretended to be. So the hate for this movie is flowing rampant. It's pretty much coming from one of two camps. It's coming from the crybabies in horror movies that every time something new is tried or experimented with, like Halloween 3 or Friday the 13th Part 5, or um, I'm, I'm sure there's other examples you could find, but those are the two most predominant ones I always see. You always get the crybabies that are like, oh, well, it's not actually uh, Michael Myers, uh, so this movie is bad. Like, I've been seeing fucking people online saying that Resurrection is a better movie than this. And it just really shows that there are certain horror mo movie fans that come for one thing and one thing only, and that's the fucking guy in the mask. Which, I bet, if that's your life, great. Uh, I think it's a very narrow-minded viewpoint, but to each their own. But the other camp of hate is coming from the fact that, like, this is just a weird way to end this trilogy. It's not a good ending to this trilogy, and this trilogy isn't a good trilogy. And that I sympathize with, and I actually agree with a lot of that. However, as a standalone entry in this franchise, when this movie works, I think it really works. And with all the hate that it's getting now, I honestly think that in five to ten years, there's going to be, a, like, a renaissance for this movie. And all the publications that are trashing it are going to be, like, on the anniversary of Halloween End's release, we look back at this misunderstood masterpiece. Because, like, it's it's there. Like, I've seen... Because since I've seen this sort of thing happen to other horror movies, it's it's going to happen with this. Same is like the same thing with Rob Zombie's movies. In five to ten years, people are going to be like, "This is actually one of the best entries in the series, for better or worse, for all the flaws it has." And I really like Halloween Ends. I like that it swings through the uh, fences and takes a bold risk. And when it pays off, it pays off. When it doesn't, you still you, you got the fucking guy in the mask, and you got Jamie Lee Curtis, who is great in this movie. Everyone in this movie is great, but. That's my thoughts on Halloween ends. Uh, next up, we've got Halloween 2018. Still really love this movie. I think this is, uh, like, if this came back and it was just a one-and-done thing, it would have been a really cool, like, 40-year anniversary, like, direct sequel to the first movie. Everyone's really good in it. It was great to see Jamie Lee Curtis back in this part. Um, it's paced really well. The kills are fucking crazy. Michael Myers is established as, like, this... And I think that's another thing, too, is, like, Michael Myers is established in this movie in Halloween Kills as this, like, brutal force again. Uh, Halloween Ends, he really takes a back seat because Halloween Ends shouldn't have been about Michael Myers, but we're, going, we're moving forward. <laughs> um, soundtrack is great. Soundtrack for this whole trilogy was phenomenal with uh, John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and... Uh, Daniel Davies doing the music. Really love the soundtrack in this movie. It has great set pieces. And it keeps, like, while upping the gore and kills, like, for, in comparison to the original movie, it keeps that sort of, like, claustrophobic, small-scale feel that the original movie had. 
this movie really works as a self-contained uh, sequel. If you want to ignore kills and ends, you absolutely can. And this is a good way to uh, bring back Laurie Strode and uh, sort of conclude the like the this one-two punch of Halloween and Halloween. They should have called Halloween Returns. I don't know why they didn't. Probably just because it wouldn't have sold as well. Um, this movie sort of has diminishing returns for me. Every time I watch it, uh, again, I'm sorry what I talked about with Halloween Kills. I really get taken out by the tonal inconsistencies when the hyuk hyuk comedy kind of comes in. Um, and also, I didn't mention this with Halloween Kills, but some of the, like, in those scenes when it's just, like, people being people or, like, trying to be funny or whatever... The direction and blocking for those dialogue scenes are, like, really bad. Like, people are always talking over each other, and it just, it always feels like they're, like, vamping, too, because they never really say anything with any sort of, like, clear, like, direction or understanding. And, like, yeah, like, it's just, like, they're just, like, directed so poorly, and that's why, like, I remember seeing, when I first saw the Halloween 2018 in the theaters, there was a lot of moments like that at the beginning of the movie, and I was kind of like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not really sure, like, what we're doing here, but it's not working super well. But then, thankfully, once Michael is unleashed in Haddonfield, the movie really kicks into gear and gets a lot, lot better, and uh, is less, like, uh, tonally confused. Um, but yeah, there's just some, like, weird dumb uninteresting stuff to sit through to actually get to the really good stuff so that's why i say this movie has diminishing returns it's pretty good i really like it i don't love it the same way i did when like it was first out in theaters um which is fine uh it, i still think it is it is a good return to form for the series it is quite a lot of fun to sit through um once it really kicks into gear and i i like it I, I really do. Um, so, moving on here. Probably we were wondering when it was going to happen, but uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, is our uh, next entry. It's just fucking... Uh, in the documentary In Search of Darkness, the four-hour-long uh, documentary on 80s horror movies, has the fucking guy from... I think the, the YouTube show is called The Kill Count... Uh, has he's like the only guy being interviewed that's like clearly reading from a script and it's fucking irritating to me every single time I watch that documentary and he continuously refers to Halloween 3 as the collective what the fuck of the series fuck that shit Halloween 3 rules Halloween 3 is so fucking good I love Halloween 3 Halloween 3 you, of course, can peel back all the layers, and it's, like, it's a, like, biting commentary on, like, materialism in the 80s and, like, turning Halloween into this, like, uh, commercial force. But it is just, like, a gnarly, dark, twisted, balls-to-the-wall, uh, like, Halloween-themed movie. Uh, the famous entry, where it doesn't have anything to do with Michael Myers... Uh, if, if you were unaware, uh, the original idea was to turn Halloween into an anthology series because John Carpenter, after Halloween 2, really thought that uh, Michael Myers was played out. 
And uh, famously, it did not go over well. But thankfully, has uh, really gotten a resurgence. And uh, a lot of people uh, are finally coming around on this movie. Because this movie's awesome. This movie is really good. It's really dark. It's, like I said, it's really twisted in that, like, 80s horror movie sort of way with, like, the kind of shit that, like, just, like, like that fuck you and your Hollywood and happy ending punk rock attitude. The ending of this movie is so goddamn scary. So chilling. Tom the fucking man Atkins in it. It's like one of my favorite characters in this series. Every time he's in something, it's just like magic happens. But yeah, this movie is just, it's really clever. It's really creepy. Uh, a great like amalgamation of like, computer age paranoia and like traditional culty uh fear um so cool if you have not seen halloween 3 you really should ignore the fact that it's Halloween called halloween 3 it because it again has nothing to do with the series it is just a great standalone gnarly 80s horror film that every time I every time I watch it it just gets better and better like I love that movie so much it has one of my favorite John Carpenter and uh, Alan Haworth uh, scores too the piece of music Chariots of Pumpkins is fucking stellar it's so layered and intricate and just feels like you're going insane it is so cool yeah Halloween 3 fucking rips uh, check it out if you have not seen it and then finally, in my opinion, the best Halloween sequel is, of course, well, maybe not of course, but Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Uh, I'm, I might lose some of you on this one, but I might not. Uh, this is another one that's sort of uh, getting a resurgence and uh, getting reappraised in recent years. I've actually seen it pop up a lot on uh, like best horror movies of the 2000s. Which I think is really cool. Um, but I totally get it. I did not like this movie when I first saw it. I fucking hated it, to be perfectly honest. But over time, so, sort of similar with like David Lynch, when I came to understand more of who Rob Zombie was as a, as a filmmaker, as an artist... I then understood what exactly he was going for with Halloween 2, and I really fucking love this movie. It's not perfect. A lot of the same issues that permeated Halloween, the remake, are still here, which is like, Rob Zombie can't fucking write well for 20-something-year-old girls, like, at all. Uh, the dialogue is just, like, so over-the-top sometimes. It's like, I don't think you've ever actually talked to a woman this age, ever. Um, the idea of trauma uh, in Lori's life is really kind of oversold. Um, well, it's all done very visually. She's, like, punked out and surrounding herself in, like, satanic imagery. And she has, uh, like, a framed poster of... Charles Manson above her bed. And I know trauma is not a one-to-one -one thing. That's the same for everything. But I think the survivor of a serial killing might not quite go down this route. But again, like, in this world, it kind of makes sense. In this heightened, grindhouse, dingy, disgusting fucking world that Rob Zombie always creates, it kind of makes sense. And this story is just so 
agonizing and brutal and unflinching and this look at how this one event could affect these people and how it like destroys Lori's life and how it turns Dr. Loomis into this like fame whore monster and how it like it's really like keeping it everything for uh, Sheriff Brackett to like keep it together because now he like essentially needs to raise another daughter and how it's affected Annie because Annie was also attacked and it's just all these layers of like how trauma I actually did see someone uh, one of the more popular reviews on Letterboxd uh, someone said that uh, this is like the best representation of PTSD in an American film. So again, what do I know about the fucking frame Charles Manson <laughs> shit? Uh, uh, that because this person apparently experienced has experienced PTSD and uh, identifies with this movie, which I think is awesome. Um, but like, the, just this like pitch black story of like all these like broken people in this like unhappy place and then of course you bring michael myers back into it who is even more of a fucking unit of death and destruction and just there's so many cool like things about this movie too like visually speaking i love the look of this movie this like dingy 16 millimeter look really makes like this like autumn rot uh look to the movie and the dream sequences, the symbolism with the white horse and Michael's mother and the younger version of himself. Again, not subtle, not exactly thought-provoking, but really cool. Uh, those set pieces again, and uh, like the Halloween like bash in that, that like barn in the middle of nowhere. There's these great set pieces and like this look to the film that make it really look and feel like October. Uh, and Halloween in this weird, like, fucked-up small town. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, I don't know. Every time I watch Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, I'm like, I like fuck the haters. Like, this movie just, like, works so well. And that's what you can really tell that Rob was uh, happy to be able to cut loose and truly make, like, his own movie for this series. Like, it didn't have to be a remake of Halloween 2, uh, it didn't, like, there were, like, no rules for him. Like, he didn't have to remake anything, so he just, he made a vision that's completely his own. It's dark, it's, like, pitch black, it's violent, it's unhappy, it's mean, and that turns a lot of people off. I get that. Uh, I actually watched the theatrical cut for the first time, because it's on Peacock, and I personally prefer the director's cut, but the theatrical cut is there for people who maybe want the like the intensely aggressive and angry nature of these characters toned back a bit. The characters are a little bit more likable, quote unquote, in this cut. Um, but likability isn't wasn't ever really a question for me when I finally started to like this movie. It like it really occurred to me that this is a story about trauma and people change after trauma and people are not the same after horrific events happen to them. And then it is up to you as a human being to be there and love them and support them or abandon them, which is sort of true of this movie in a way, uh, which I think I shall end it there. 
that was uh, my ranking of the uh, Halloween sequels. Let me know what you think. Uh, email us at monsters.midnight, spelt incorrectly, at gmail.com. Or shoot us a DM on Instagram or Facebook. All the pages are still there, even if they uh, haven't been active in any sort of capacity. Um, but yeah, uh, the other thing uh, you can do is also you can go to letterbox.com slash mattflamingo. Uh, you can give me a follow. Uh, I post uh, fairly regularly. Uh, I try to do reviews about everything that, that I watch. So if you just want a little bit more thoughts on stuff that I've been watching and just want to know what I've been watching, you can follow me over on Letterboxd. Uh, so that's letterboxd.com slash mattflamingo. Um, but yeah, this this has been fun. I'm uh, glad I uh, did this uh, first episode here, and I'm excited to do more, excited to get this show back up and running. So thank you so much. Oh, uh, we also have a YouTube channel too, <laughs> which... Uh, uh, let me find it. I don't know if I'll be able to find it fast enough. Um, I'm not going to be able to find it fast enough. I think it's Monsters at Midnight, The Revenge. Which it should be. Oh, it's just Monsters at Midnight. Yeah, so, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at, uh, uh Monsters at Midnight. Um, ideally... Uh, we'll have some more visual stuff coming there at some point. Um, probably once we get Jolin back involved here. But thank you so much for watching, my groovy ghoulies. It's great to be back. It's great to be back out on these streets. Great to be back. Uh, I don't know. It's been so long and I never fucking knew how to end these. So uh, have a good rest of your night. I don't know when this uploads when you'll be able to hear it but i happy halloween or i hope you had a happy halloween or uh happy thanksgiving or merry christmas um let me know what you think uh joel and i'll be back enjoy the rest of your evening peace